This podcast contains strong language and is intended for mature audiences. It is for entertainment purposes only. Welcome back, everybody, to The Relationship Show. In this episode, Wendy and I talk about the relationship between bullying, suicide, and school violence with Danielle Matthew, an L.A.-based marriage and family therapist and author of the book The Empowered Child, based on the empowerment space, a recovery program she founded that gives support to victims of bullying and their families. So our modern challenge is the more pervasive and surreptitious means by which young and old people alike are targeting others with bullying. And we're talking about more than just your basic teasing and benign trolling. Bullying underneath separates others by differences and abilities, separates people out of fear, or sometimes people get targeted just because, just because somebody is displeased by them. So we're going to talk about what bullying looks like and what, if anything, we might be able to do to address it overall. I'd like to imagine someday someone stumbles across this recording and bullying is no longer just a societal given accepted as part of growing up and how people naturally jockey for power, status, and standing. And it's no longer the way the world, something innate to human interactions. And maybe, just maybe, with a commitment by adults today to cultivate a culture of kindness while providing positive role modeling and empathy educations, we adults can protect our young people from acting out in violent ways against themselves and others. Today and all days, we stand with the young people chanting, never again. So, okay, let's do this. Get this party started. Yes. What is, is this thing say? on? Is Are we taping? On? Is this on? Am I here? Are you here? Turn this off. Hi. Hi. Oh, are we on? Hi. Yeah, we're on. We're is on. This we're thing on. on. This thing's on. Okay. Yes. Um, I'm so excited. I'm so excited too. Why are you excited? Because I love strong women, and women who have messages. And I mean, I love men too, um, but you know, there's, you know, that there's just an incredible movement in the world right now and women's voices are stronger than ever before. And um, I'm excited to hear our guests' uh, passion and mission. And I see this beautiful book. I have not read it yet, but I am immediately going to go on Amazon today and get it. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear a little bit about you know, um, y- y- everything that, you know, you're, you're going to share with us today. Thank you. Thank so, you guys. yeah, we're really excited to have Danielle Matthew here, who is the founder of the Empowerment Space, which is a 10-week really recovery from bullying program. I You can tell us more about that. So I'm just going to, hello, everybody. Welcome back, by the way. Um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about Danielle. Danielle is an L.A.-based LMFT. She's been working with children, teens, and their families for over 20 years. <laughs> In the earlier days of her work, she began to notice that while a movement to prevent bullying was taking place, there was this important piece missing. And what wasn't being addressed was how to help people heal who had been targeted young people and I, I'm sure some adults too right you yeah. Sort of, yeah and in, in really in the community that our community having a program that really could help kids at a real serious point in their lives before they end up at um actually in the hospital 
And I will explain a little bit where I came to that conclusion. Okay, great. Uh, and uh, again, the book that Wendy was mentioning uh, is uh, your Amazon bestseller, The Empowered Child, How to Help Your Child Cope, Communicate, and Conquer Bullying. Uh, and so this is introducing your method to a wider audience because there's just one of you, even though this program, I know you want to expand it and start training other people mm-hmm. to use it um, right now. This book is the first step for some of us to start implementing some of your gifts of this hard work you've been doing. And can I just chime in by saying that I have not even read the book, but as you're talking, I'm like flipping through it and I'm shaking. Yes, 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 this part. Yes, this part. (laughs) You know, what I love is in this day and age, you know, a lot of people don't have a lot of time or their concentration. They don't have patience. Mm -hmm. And like I can just turn to any part of this and just get a step from this Mm -hmm. and it's really clear and um very detailed but uh you know this is people need answers how can i just ask like how did you even start this like tell us a little bit about you and how you came to this beautiful book i've been uh, a therapist for probably over 20 years and i had worked in various uh organizations and one of the last places i worked was the other side which was as um working for an insurance company and so people would call in for the insurance company and want an authorization for a behavioral unit and i would have to ask questions like why are you wanting to come in what's you know how what's going on what's the trigger why are and a lot of places across our country were saying the reason was because of bullying and kids were actually coming into units because of bullying and parents didn't know about it until sometimes the kids stomachs were actually being pumped because they had made attempts to kill themselves so sorry about that this very uh, important thing that you're saying and we've got some <laughs> dogs just in the background making a little noise so it's astro's first play date i'm sorry but uh <laughs> you know he's really excited and um, we hope there's not any doggy bullying going on here. there better not be <laughs> okay. now there's all pure love in this room but yes yeah, so <laughs> at this you were having these people call in so and- across the country and we were finding that there were no programs not in the schools per se but actually in the communities that were really working with kids when they were at a triggering point of being bullied and had low self-esteem before they'd end up in an inpatient unit of care And so I decided to hire an independent consulting company and ask them to do what we call a needs assessment to see what the need in our community is for actually a bullying program for victims so we can have something in play before victims actually have to go to the hospital. So they spent three months. They did survey monkeys. They did talking to educators, talking to therapists in the community, other experts, and they came back with a binder. And they said to us, and this is what I always say because it's pretty true, we have the good news and we have the bad news. The good news is that you have no competition, but the bad news is you also don't have any competition. And why is that? And so uh, they said, if you want to put a program together in the next year and you decide to make it a nonprofit, feel free to come back to us. And so I spent the next year with a developmental psychologist and another therapist, and I wrote my uh, program called The Empowerment Space, which, as Jenny said, is a 10-week program, and it really helps empower self-esteem skills for kids because my biggest feeling is that kids – 
feel best when they are empowered to handle their own problems. And if parents come in and rescue kids or go into the principal's office and have the bully and the victim together with their parents, the, the, the victim, it's worse for them. And that's usually what people were doing, right? I mean, it's yes. that sort of like, like yeah. let's get these kids together in the yes. same room and, yeah. and do this. And, mm-hmm. and that wasn't really effective or working. No, you find re-victimization happens because then the bully is just slicker and more careful about how they bully. Can you tell me the ages that we're talking about here? Sure. 10 to 17 is the ages of my program because we do a lot of role plays and verbal skills. So they have to be old enough to comprehend that. We also have activity books for kids and the parents, three sessions for the parents and three sessions we do in the school as well. In the book, you talk uh, a lot. I mean, the the this book, I know you said it's sort of like the first of, of probably a series that you'll do, but it revolves around the three E's. Could you just yes. talk a little bit about what the three E's are? Yes, there's the three E's, which are how we can talk about bullying. First one is empathy, which is really asking kids how they feel. I find a lot of times in my office that parents will come in well-meaning, but will tell me how their kid is feeling. And so the, the, the child and the client are not telling me themselves, and that takes some of the power away from the kid right away because they can't tell you how they're feeling. So I encourage parents, because I learned empathy in graduate school and really what that meant and reflective listening. I teach that in the programs to say things like, I'm wondering if you're feeling sad right now, but not saying you're feeling sad, right? to the child because you want them or an adolescent you don't want to tell them anything about how to feel they want to tell you so the first step is the empathy which is asking how they're feeling with a question like i'm wondering if is one example i use a lot in the book and have some sample dialogues about Um, the second phase is um, the engagement which is let's talk about a plan of action so you're being bullied how do you want to handle it and if it's an adolescent they're probably going to tell you don't worry about it I'll handle it myself and a lot of kids don't want to ask their parents for help with bullying because they are worried they're going to upset their parents they're going to make them mad they're going to make them worry so kids keep a lot of these feelings inside so be prepared as the parent when they say don't worry I haven't handled a say, you know what, I'm sure you do, but I want to review the ideas with you. Maybe we can role play some of the ways you are thinking of engaging back and how you're going to handle things. And I'm going to still follow up with you because this is pretty important stuff. So you're going from their internal world. Yeah. They may or may not have a plan to really externalizing it so that we're all clear about it. I know in the engagement, um, the action plan, often the teens will say, I don't want to be a snitch. Yes. So um, later on, I'm sure you will, you know, we can address that. What's the third E? The third E is the, um, so it's empathy, empowerment, and engagement. So engagement is the third and final step. So the empowerment is the second step to really empower your child for plan of action. The engagement is the most important step that I feel because the engagement is the follow through of the plan. A lot of people have a lot of great ideas, but the follow through and the consistency piece is not always there. And so that is why parents have got to follow up consistently and the thing about bullying is it stops and then it starts again it stops and then it starts so you really need to continue to follow up with consistency of is the plan we have in place working is it not working do we need to do something else because that's where we could fall and we want to be careful and when you say follow through i'm assuming it's not just for parents uh you know so often schools and parents they just don't 
uh, coordinate and then they don't discuss. And as we all went to an incredible agency. Yeah, we all worked at the same place. That wonderful agency. Um, and what we have learned, and I think why we're so good with crisis intervention, is also it's a team approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's not just on the parents. It's mm-hmm. like so uh, really going into community and mm-hmm. getting the community support. Mm-hmm. And so when you say follow through, it's also teachers and it's could be church, it could be temple, it could be you know Therapists. rabbi. Yeah. yeah, but that's a big part of your book too, and mm-hmm. and the. The engagement yeah. piece of it is working yeah. with the school or the mm-hmm. teacher, the principals. Mm-hmm. So how easy is that? Do you feel like there's a lot of resistance from schools or? I feel we you have to approach schools carefully and with thought because I don't think sometimes they want to be thought of as we have a bullying problem. <clears throat> so, but if you can work on a <coughs> program for solutions and safety in the school, perhaps you say it a little bit differently. I think it helps. And I think if you come in very collaboratively, I think schools feel much stronger about working <coughs> with you. For instance, I was at a school a little while back and when I was at the school, I went in and a friend of mine had been doing presentations that the school had on bullying. And so I mentioned him as a starting point just to say, I think that's great. And as a way to sort of collaborate and the way I approach things is very collaboratively. I'm not like, well, we need you to do this because the way I think we get more done in our world is by working together and communicating collaboratively, not someone having an ego or needing to go in and do something one way and the other way. We have to collaborate together. Right. That's probably a challenge with both the teachers and the parents is, excuse me, I got a little bubble in my throat. Can we get you water? <coughs> Tea? Ah, I'm good. Uh, is, is that feeling of both responsibility and um, themselves being self-conscious, not wanting to be the bad parent. That's right. And, I'm feeling like, what does this say about me as a teacher or parent administrator if this is happening in my home or my domain, my at school? And so I can see where sensitivity there is really mm-hmm. necessary. It's careful across the board with everybody, all parties. You have to come in. I had some wonderful teachers that I worked with a while back who said, can you give me some of the buzzwords of your program so I can actually use that with the student? And I thought that was very collaborative as an example of someone who wanted to really be a part of the program and help to reinforce what was being taught. So that can also happen. Um, so you, I really try to go in very casually and just in a more helpful, collaborative manner because the bigger picture is you want the client to do better, right? You want them to feel better and feel supported. So we have to provide a, an environment for that support. And how powerless teachers feel and yes. parents feel. and yeah. yeah. So what I'm saying is around this time, there's so much going on in the world with the Florida school shootings and this huge uh, time where people are brainstorming, you know, what to do. And what I love about what you're saying is you're literally giving on-hand tools. You're giving the tools and saying, say this, do this, um, or let's brainstorm some other ways. But you're, you're giving tools. And I'm thinking about, regardless if you're Republican or Democrat or you're, you know, a part of the NRA or, you know, for guns or not for guns, but... I just think it's so interesting. Um, our president's solution is let's give teachers guns. My mother was a teacher, and I think that is a superbly 
poor idea. <laughs> wonder what you think of that, Danielle. Is that a coping tool that you um, would suggest? Yeah. A gun as a coping tool? <laughs> just wonder, well, that's what our president is suggesting. Let's arm all the teachers yeah, no. with guns. No, I don't think so at all. I don't think it's sending a good message to the kids and to feel safe. Because I think it's all about safety, and I don't feel like that is going to show safety if, if uh, teachers have to have guns. And, you know, then they talk about if the police come in and they have the wrong person, they end up shooting. That happens, too. So I don't think it's the way. I think we have to have more connection with our kids. And I'm seeing a lot of disconnection right now amongst our community, whether kids have a lot of anxiety I see that a lot in my practice um, and knowing how to connect to our kids. And I do feel the three E's of empathy, empowerment, and engagement is a way to open that connection back up. Right. So, so everyone is so disconnected and distracted with yes. technology, yes. teachers, parents, like what are we role modeling for our kids? I always say in my practice, uh, I start with basic social cues. If if yeah. you can't look at me in the eyes, mm-hmm. smile and wave hello or a shake or some kind of greeting, uh, we kind of go back and you know make it silly, but say you know let's let's learn how to say hello and let's learn how to say goodbye. Sometimes yeah. they'll look at the floor and walk out, and I'm like, you know, come on back here. Let's try this again. I'm gonna miss you when you're you know or yeah. you know I. I something's done and you know I need closure it's my issue really (laughs) about you no but you know then what happens is they come back the next session and they give me creepy eyes and then they won't stop looking at me because they're like I gotta look at her (laughs) but at least it's an exaggeration of let's connect yeah really I and I care Mm -hmm. instead of like Mm -hmm. oh I don't care you can walk out don't give me eye contact and like no Mm -hmm. you know like you matter and I want to connect with you. That's a really good point because I do that a lot in my program. Like I will hear kids that are victims of bullying say, I just have to get used to bullying. It's just the way of the world. And I have to just get used to it with myself and accept it. And then I get very, you know, strong willed and say there's something called locus of control, which is that there are things we have control over with a bully and there are things that we don't. And let's look at where you can have more control so this doesn't continue to happen. And I really want to empower again kids, hence it's called the empowerment space or the empowered child book, to really learn that they aren't powerless. They do have some power and there are ways that they can increase their own power and self esteem. And so can parents. Because I think sometimes the whole topic of bullying is sort of the elephant in the room that people don't know how to address or deal with it or they're very upset right away and I do really urge when parents talk to kids about bullying be in a good space I talk a lot about self-care in my book and how to be in a good space when you have this dialogue of the three e's because it can be triggering and if you had a boss yell at you that day you had a fight with someone may not be the best time to sit down with your child and say let's talk about the bullying because you want to really maintain as the parent composure and you don't want your child to have to feel like they have to take care of you when you're talking about them. And often, you know, parents are being bullied in their daytime yes. job. Yes. Right? So yes. this book is wonderful. It's not just really for kids, even though it says the empowered child. We're talking also about here's a little therapy mumbo jumbo, but like, you know, the fluffy therapy part, like the child within. Yeah, the yeah. empowered inner child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your next book. Boom. <laughs> but that's that is, I think, really an important 
piece of this that young people in so many domains of their lives don't feel empowered be- yes. or don't feel powerful yes uh and feel powerless as yes. you talk about uh, because they really don't have control you know they until a certain age they're even even as a teenager at 16 you may have a job and you may have a car but you're still not doing the grocery shopping you're still not determining where everything in the house goes you know what what powers do you have? And I think the work that you're doing is really important in helping kids realize and young people realize too that, you know, I always go back to Viktor Frankl, you know, that the one thing we always have, everything can be taken away from us. Mm -hmm. We can have nothing else but the attitude in which we face Mm -hmm. these. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, right? But but that's the one thing. That's the the last freedom nobody can take away from you is how you face things and Mm -hmm. and how you see things. And that can be very empowering. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's part of the book the difference between reacting and responding right and I give a lot of sample dialogues because I think everyone needs to see a model of something it doesn't mean those are going to be their particular words but at least it's a sample to understand well what do you mean by these concepts so making them more concrete so it's not so complex to understand so there's various ways I talk about empathy empowerment and engagement and using all three together and how that works I really go through the whole nine yards in the book and talk about that a lot. And I think back to what Wendy was talking about, mm-hmm. too, with the school shooting going on. Yes. You know, I was looking up some statistics because uh, I like to do that. Um, but <clears throat> there is kind of um, a false narrative about bullied kids turning to violence and aggression. That It's usually the opposite that they're turning they're becoming very insecure and depressed and anxiety but one of the statistics i read was that one in 10 million bullied kids in the u.s so just one out of 10 million will go on a shooting rampage so this is not an epidemic i mean as 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 much as it's it's horrible and it's this issue we have to face but you know bullied kids themselves aren't necessary of course we need to look for for them, but they're not necessarily the ones that are. Um, it, it's not a. It's not a direct correlation. Like this kid is bullied, so therefore this kid could possibly shoot up our school. Right. I mean, I think what happens though sometimes is the bully has enough, or the not the bully. I should say the victim has enough, and then they they do react, and then they end up getting in trouble and suspended. We have seen a lot of cases like that where they've just had enough and it all they let it loose and then the the behaviors that are coming out are what's getting suspended from school and then the bully isn't being looked at for their behaviors it's only the reaction to the bully and so that will happen sometimes with the victims where they've just had enough i saw it with one of my uh, clients not too long ago where they had just had enough and finally retaliated and unfortunately if they retaliate in a dangerous way they're going to be the ones focused on by the school and not the continuous bullying that had been going on if they don't see it. So that is another way to really talk to our kids is other ways they can get their frustrations out because it feels so unfair to them and they're just tired of it and done. Do you understand me now? Sometimes I feel a little mad But don't you know that no one alive can always be nature When things go wrong I seem to be bad Understood. 
So I know both of you can speak to this far more than I can because of the populations you work with more consistently. But I mean, the third leading cause of death among young people, according to the CDC, is suicide. Uh, and it's estimated 4,400 deaths a year. Uh, for every one death, there's they estimate there's at least 100 attempts. So that's that's a fuckload. So uh, so if we're looking at that, you know, I think that that seems like an even bigger concern. And I know that ties into why you got into this, the suicide issue. And I know that there's been sort of an epidemic of this going around Los Angeles. Yes. So again, another really important uh, reason to be talking about bullying. Yes. Because I think kids who are bullied, uh, if we see a pattern of behavior that changes, it's usually depression, isolation, a decrease in decline in grades. Uh, we see them not wanting to go out and do things and they make excuses for social activities. So a lot of the kids who are bullied usually go inward, as you're saying, Jenny, and they really end up more depressed. And it's really uh, sneaky because, you know, a loud wild kid i'll take any day over these smiley quiet ones that that you know seem to kind of go about their day and and smile and and just look a bit quiet you know the quiet ones are the ones that scary to me because uh you know they're keeping everything in and um you know nobody checks in with them you know it looks like uh you know they're 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 just going about their day, but, uh, you know, even if you think a kid is healthy and just kind of smiley, it's, it's always important, whether you're a teacher, um, often I'll hear teens say, you know, my teacher doesn't ask me, or if they knew that there was a bully incident and then, you know, the things have kind of calmed down and healed, uh, and it starts back up again, you know, everybody's on to the next sub you know the the next part of their life again so they're just kind of getting back to life and the bully doesn't know what to do i'm sorry the victim doesn't know what to do once it starts back up again yes do you address that Yes. I mean, that's what the whole part of the engagement is, is the consistent follow through. That means the bullying could stop for a while and then it could start again. So it's making sure we go back through those steps and we use that again, because what I find does happen is it stops, then it starts, then it's, and there's a pattern of that usually. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just always continue. Sometimes it does. And so we have to go back and revisit new plans of action. If what's not working isn't, how do we change it? We can role play with our kids. We can really support them. And I think if they feel like someone's really in their corner and listening to them, I think that makes a huge difference with kids because of that disconnection that we're talking about. And that connection can be so powerful. So can you talk a little bit for our listeners about the four types of bullying that you lay out Sure. So the first is physical, which is the one that we've all seen for years, which is hitting, kicking, tripping people. And we see it, we can stop it when we see it, and it's easy to assess. The second that's also very easy is verbal, name calling, making threats to harm people. We can usually hear verbal bullying. And though again, been around for a long time and we can hear it. But we can't really hear and always work with cyber or internet bullying because that's been the last 15, 20 plus years, right, of social media. And we can't stop it. And I was just asked a few weeks ago in writing an article uh, or answering some questions, 
how are you going to stop? You need to tell them how you're going to stop cyberbullying. And I had a right in there. You can't. What you can do is help your child with how they respond to the social media. Totally. And that's really the way we can do it. And that's all we have control over. Unless you have an IP address and that kid happens to go to the same school as your child and you take a screenshot, as I heard one expert say it not too long ago, that's the only way. But most importantly, I said this at a meeting on Friday that I spoke to a group of Brownie troops and she said what happened is they were having a private conversation and with someone she thought was her friend, she took a screenshot and sent it around to other chat groups to kids. And I tell kids, whatever you put on social media sites, you must know you are on stage and you are on stage constantly and that you will always be judged. And so you want to be careful, even if they're your so-called friends, of what you put on there for that exact reason. And the last final type, which kind of goes into this, especially with middle school and high school girls, is relational bullying um, or social bullying, as we would call it, because that's really ostracizing kids, leaving them out, spreading rumors, gossiping about them. I see it a lot with the middle and the high schoolers where it can intertwine with cyber because they can be left out of chat groups or uh, text messages back and forth. Dropped from Dropped. a group Dropped on a text. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uninvited from uh, parties. Yes, yes, exactly. And as one client told me not too long ago, she was blocked from one of the social media sites and then was told later that someone was talking about her and on that site that was her so-called friend. So those things are what happen a lot right now. Um, and the most, I think, important that we're seeing more of is the cyber, internet, and the relational social bullying. Do you ever go to lunch with no one by your side? Because the moment you arrive, they all leave the table. Calling me everything but my name, need I remind you again? Just call me Rachel. How would you feel if you're running home crying like yourself in your room? Don't want anyone to see ya while everyone's having fun outside and you're telling yourself. You know what I love about what you're saying, Danielle, is you are very realistic. You know, maybe that's because also not just who you are, but like the wonderful training that we received at our uh, nonprofit agency is, you know, you're not lying to anyone. You're not sugarcoating anyone. You're not saying, oh, yeah, this is just doable. It's fixable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can it's 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 uh, you'll you'll know for sure when it's happening. I love that you are so realistic. And no, you're never going to know. And and there's 50 other ways that especially these kids go underground. Uh, You know, the average kid has about uh, what, five or six social media accounts that even the parents don't know about. Right. And there's always the spam ones. Uh-huh. The parents don't know about. Um, yeah, I think it's really important that we can all communicate the best we can because you just never know what can happen for the kids and you never know what they're feeling. And when I have people in my program, I'm pretty clear when I say um, I can't necessarily fix bullying. I can try to help your child better deal with bullying and make it better, but I can't tell you I'm going to take all the bullying away because then that would not be honest and accurate to the truth. Can you? All right. Can you two just settle down? Settle down. Can you talk a little bit about the long-lasting effects? <laughs> Did you say settle down for Danielle and myself or for the dogs? <laughs> Wendy, the Danielle, puppies. settle down. Settle down. Settle down. Settle down. 
Seldana. Uh, could, could you talk a little bit about the long-lasting effects of bullying? Yes. If you don't get help as a kid with a program like the Empowerment Space or a therapist who really knows the, uh, how to work with bullying victims, yes, you can be depressed. I see them in my practice now where there are people who are still stuck. They can't have intimate relationships. They can't move ahead in their jobs, and they still feel like that bullied child. And so they're still depressed and they don't feel like they can move forward because the narrative inside their head is what the bullies were telling them many years ago and they're stuck there, really stuck. Sometimes when I work with the, the bullies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we'll talk about being leaders and followers. Yes. What do you think about that? I love it because this is how I think you change. I hear this all the time. So Danielle, I know you work with the victims, but what do you do if there's a, they're the bully? What do you happen to do if there's a bully? And what you just said is exactly right, Wendy, is that you want to teach them to be a positive role model and a leader. So take that said. power. Take that power. And use it for good. For good. Shift it. Yes. And you do that with bystanders as well because you want to shift that piece to good as well as the bully. Often I'll talk to teens and parents about red flag issues, things that you have seen in your practice about just red flag issues when you're working with a kid or a teen child. The first one that I see is the declining grades. That's the one that almost hits every time, which is they were really good students and now they're not doing well in their classes and they can't concentrate. And then I see the depression with the social and emotional where they've changed their friends, their friends aren't talking to them anymore. They're more isolative. I also see one thing that I, I see I work in my program with is the fight, flight, freeze response, which is how you physically are feeling when you're being bullied. And um, I had a client's mother call me or a potential client a few months back saying that her daughter was throwing up every day before having to go to school mm-hmm. because she was so fearful of being bullied. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the physical effects and how bullying affects us, we talk about that in the program and what our bodies feel like when we're being bullied, because I think that's a really important piece. A lot of times kids will say they're a shoulders are arched over and they're stiff as one example of I what love that it. feels the mind like. body connection yeah yeah because i think it's really important because we're seeing kids more and more anxious these days a lot of kids are having physical ailments as a result of anxiety and it can be bully related so we want to really look at that or any physical changes we see with our kids are they coming home with a pattern of a torn backpack bruises on themselves and they say oh my locker hit me or you want to really be paying attention to those signs because i think those are the most important to look for and again it's not a one-time thing but it's a pattern of these behaviors you know, and I think uh, the myth that the bullies don't feel anything, you know, sometimes they, w- what we know also is there's a lot of bullying at home. And so then they become little bullies themselves. Yes. But one time I had a client who there was a suicide at a high school mm-hmm. and um, the teenager came in because there was a lot of big feelings about it and overwhelming feelings. And as he was talking, he said, I immediately I'm off all social media. And I said, oh, that's interesting. What, what What's that about? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I just need a break. But it was so abrupt. Mm-hmm. And he was just like wanted to be off the radar, mm-hmm. out of sight, out of mind. Come to find out he was the main bully that had said, go kill yourself. Yeah. And he didn't know what to do. So, you know, after a little bit of... Um, helping him to 
feel safe and yeah. connect with him. He was able to actually decompensate in my office and had to be hospitalized and dealt with the grief and just the severity. He had no idea that he had affected someone, that his words, go kill yourself, that she really would. Mm-hmm. And she did. So, um, oh, you know, wow. really destroyed him internally for a long time. But but it, we were able to shift it to mm-hmm. a healing where he went around to schools and then started talking about what that looks like mm-hmm. and, and the internal world of a bully. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that it's not, it's not all roses. What we know about bullies is that they're really fragile inside. And what we also know is what's different to them and they don't understand is also why they bully. Because people who are different, something that triggers that for them is usually a part of that. Crowded hallways are the loneliest places For outcasts and rebels Or anyone who just dares to be different Yep, yep. And this goes back to something you touched upon. Uh, You mentioned the bystanders. Yes. So... Bystanders are super important, and could you talk about why that is? Yes, they are the most interesting group to study, I will tell you that, because you have a positive bystander who goes against the bully in a group and will say something the opposite to protect the the kid who's being bullied, and then you have the neutral bystander, which is the one who won't do anything. They won't be mean to the, uh, the victim, and they won't go along with the bully. They just kind of are there. And then you have the negative bystander, which is the one who goes along negatively and impacts with the bully. And they can be really powerful because they can change a situation on a dime because of how they respond. And a lot of times kids are afraid to be a positive bystander because of their own retribution, what's going to happen to them if they defend the victim. Sure, I imagine. I mean, kids generally, they go back and forth about wanting wanting attention and then yes. not wanting to be in the spotlight. And, and just generally, kids want to be accepted and mm-hmm. to belong. And That's right. is there... Have you seen schools or communities doing a really good job of creating an inclusive and accepting culture? Or is there something just intrinsic about being young and separating people uh, by differences? I've seen both. I have seen schools who really come together and are able to implement a good prevention program in the school as well as in the community. And then I've seen other ways where they don't want to talk about bullying because bullying doesn't happen at their school. So they don't even want to engage in that topic. When you're saying it doesn't happen in their school, I'm wondering, do you you mean it's like they're turning a blind eye to it? Uh, or, oh, okay, <laughs> You're, she's making a face that makes me think that uh, I might be onto something here. Uh. <laughs> I think schools want to feel like they are handling things, and so they don't want to feel like bullying is happening at their school because they think they have it under control. And I would like to say <clears throat> that they have a hard time following through with consequences. So I uh, had a a young woman who was being severely bullied uh, in technology and a simple comment that everybody was laughing about at one moment, Mm -hmm. another teenager took a picture of her laughing and then said something uh, that was about... um, 
uh, racist or something like that. Look, she's laughing at a racist joke or something like that. Well, it not only went to the school, it went to several different schools and the teenagers, all of her friends stopped talking to her. Uh, she was uninvited to things. She was humiliated. The great thing is she continued to speak up and then the parents were able to assert themselves and talk to the school. Um, we brought the bullies in and uh, the original people who had taken a picture, shared it with everyone. What was interesting is the girls who were part of that bully group what happened is that they said they didn't know how to stop it they didn't understand how big the bullying got mm -hmm. and that they didn't want to speak up to the rest of the people so they would rather hide out with all these other people uh -huh. and blend in than to stick up and say we can stop this bullying immediately, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And anyway, so to make a long story short or shorter is that the school kind of had a school meeting and then that was dropped where it's like, okay, we're going to stop all of this talking about it. And, you know, but the girls, the bullyish group, they didn't know how to stop it. So I gave them the words, you know, and the tools, you know, yeah, the tools. Mm -hmm. Um, but it continued to go on mm -hmm. and then the school just became silent about it. And so the thing was, is it didn't go with the school code and there's a whole mission statement and everything. Mm -hmm. And then they're in the book. It's a private school said, this is the consequence. This is what will happen. Suspension or, you know, they're going to get expelled. They have to do some service of some kind. None of that happened. So now I'm picking up the baton to say, high school, you know, in a really non-judgmental way, um, what will be the consequence? Because the kids continue to harass her on a daily basis and there's no consequence. I saw, I saw it. We all did. It hurt. How often does that happen? I know in the private schools or the public school. Actually, you know, I gotta say, the public schools have been really warm and welcoming, much more than some of the private schools. The private schools are very hush hush, let's put it under the carpet and move forward. Don't rock the boat. In the because then you've got the political aspect of the money and the parents and the power and, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then this is Los Angeles. So then you put celebrities on top of it or, you know, mm -hmm. crazy wealth. Mm -hmm. um, nobody wants to speak up. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. I, I think the follow through can be really tough. I was in an office of a vice principal and a dean one time, and I had to really explain to the dean how my client was experiencing him and understanding that he wasn't being helpful. And it was lovely to watch because the vice principal was also there, and it was great because she backed up what I was saying 
And it really clicked for the dean to say, well, wait a minute, maybe this isn't really the right way of doing things and was open to it. So that can be an aha moment, right? Totally. With a school. And then you can have other times where they're resistant and not open. But then I think to myself, how can we be doing that in our society right now with everything going on? We're hearing about suicides right and left, and some of them have bullying involved in it. A lot of them do. How can we be ignoring help? How could yep. we be ignoring people wanting Wanting follow through for that. It's all about open communication, checking yeah. in. And just because you think a child is okay, they just might not be. Yeah. You know, a lot of time yeah. people say, oh, my kid is smiling. Oh, they're socializing. Well, you know, often some of the suicides can be with extended family. Uh, it can be that other people are bullying them, cousins, uncles, aunts, step parents, siblings, siblings, or, neighbors. Yeah, definitely. Which I know you touched it, you mentioned it, I think, in, in your book, but didn't go into that much because I know that that wasn't really the area that you were talking about. But do you see a lot of that? I see some. I see some of that. I see that it's role modeled somewhere for them or there's something going on internally that they need to bully their siblings. And that's a little bit different to work with because it's parents with both children so it's really looking at how to have better family meetings how to have better communication when we talk about what's really going on and making sure that the kids are actually speaking up about the bullying going on even with their siblings and it's not just regular picking on a brother or sister kind of thing and it's really more true bullying and I talk about that a lot in my book because I think that's a really important point we want to remember is that we interchange that word bullying a lot and there's times when it's really not bullying either. So when is it not bullying? And what do you call that? So what I call that is a conflict resolution because what it is is an argument between two people who have equal power over each other and it's a one-time event and that's a conflict that needs conflict resolution. But if someone has power over someone else repeatedly, as in the case, Wendy, you just talked about, then that would be definite bullying. Yeah, yep. I wanted to ask you have you heard about teachers bullying students yes i just got a call not too long ago about a substitute teacher who was asked to leave the school after the parents complained and then uh, came back with a new principal and ostracizes kids in the after school programs and stuff and i i have definitely heard of it yes yeah and it's interesting some parents say oh come on you know that what they an adult can't bully a kid come on so can you talk just a little bit about denial? What happens when either schools or adults, you know? I think the denial happens for a couple of reasons. One is maybe that parent was bullied as a kid themselves and doesn't want to relive that pain or they don't really understand it. I had a father tell me not too long ago, Danielle, I don't really understand what it feels like because I was popular. I didn't have these issues. So it's, it's, I think, a lack of empathy in the sense of not getting the experience sometimes or over-identifying with the experience that can definitely lead to the denial that we're talking about. Yeah, and the number one thing is to validate the reality for these kids. Yes, because that's their reality and that's the reality we're working from. Yeah, and I think that the farther that we get away from it, we tend to forget how important these things are to young people, right? I think yes. as adults, it's really easy to say, like, don't worry about what other people think. Like, you, yes. everybody doesn't have to like you. We 
we celebrate differences out in the real world, which is great because we're setting the stage for their future, but we're forgetting like what you're saying. We're forgetting what that experience is like in that very small world. Well, you make a very good point. Both of you do because for kids and adolescents, their friends are what's most important, not their siblings, not their parents, the peer group, the peer group Mm -hmm. that is most important to them. And they need to feel connected. And now in the day and age, it is by phone. That is their social connection or by the internet and or iPads. And that's how they stay connected to their social world. And that's really key to understand because I think in my day and age, we went out and we rode bikes and we called each other on the telephone, but we didn't have computers in the same manner or a phone or whatnot but today we have to understand even when we take that away for a reason understand why we're doing that because it's very hard for kids because as I've said to people before kids just need one friend they need one friend who cares about them one friend who will be loyal to them and will do whatever for them Mm -hmm. and that makes a huge impact on a child and adolescent's life is that one friend the challenge is helping the child recognize that because mm-hmm. everything you were just saying was resonating with me when we were young yes there are definitely there were groups that you'd want to be involved with or whatever that you people put on different social echelons mm-hmm. but now there's there's these online cyber ways that people are measuring their self-worth and it's adults just as much as young people but adults hopefully have developed more coping skills in that area but i think young people they it does matter how many facebook friends you have or how Mm -hmm. many likes you get and and so i imagine that that's really difficult to adjust for young people it is you're absolutely right jenny they need social acceptance and if they don't have that through internet media then they feel less than and um yes so it's not even always even just one friend but it's at least one friend who will stand up and tell them they're great and support them it may not make all the difference but it sure makes some i'll tell you that so witnessing yeah uh, yeah and you know, so for over 20 years, I'll talk to kids and, you yeah. know, I bring in technology. I'm a therapist who allows it. I observe it. But they know that if they bring it in, it's up for questioning. So if they get a text, I'll say, oh, who was that from? Yeah. And they'll open up the door to five other topics that are so great and interesting. Yeah. And, um, you know, or sometimes they'll talk and shoot a text, you know, as they multitask and then put the phone down. Yes. And I'll say, what was that? And they'll yes. say, oh, you know what? I just wanted to tell Johnny, you know, I'm going to help them uh-huh. with math or whatever it is. Uh-huh. But so, so I constantly love to learn and mm-hmm. from teens and, and kids okay. about technology. And the one thing they said to me, it goes back to, it goes back to the main thing of the moral compass. If they know who they are and what they feel, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, about and, and, and have passion, meaning, purpose and passion, but character, their values, where they stand, basically what's right and what's wrong. You know, um, one client said to me, my whole life, my whole life depends on how many likes I get a day. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then, you know, I'll talk to the kids that say, if I have a good moral compass, 
I don't care how many likes I get. Mm -hmm. I'm good with who I am. Mm -hmm. So it kind of goes back to the nuts and bolts of parenting 101, Mm -hmm. you know, but then it goes back to, again, everything in your book about role modeling, role playing, Mm -hmm. really good tools that they can get their hands on. Yeah. And this also ties into what you're saying about empathy, how Mm -hmm. we have to foster, how we have to help kids recognize, learn and, and foster empathy as well as recognizing the locus of control because it's obviously an external locus of control if your entire self-worth is based on how many likes you get that is external like you're saying danielle that we have no control over that like helping Mm -hmm. young people recognize that you don't have any control and they think Mm -hmm. they do and some i mean you could post the most amazing thing ever but still only five people may see it or like it. And that doesn't mean that it's not amazing. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yes. But for for a young person (laughs) to understand that is difficult. Yeah. Just put your paws up. Because you were born this way, baby. So I have a saying, um, not with kids, but, you know, teens or adults, fuck the audience. And it's kind of like a a short way to say what Brene Brown says with her vulnerability, you know, that you have to learn how to tolerate that it's okay. It's okay, like, like you just said, you know, that we can tolerate not having any likes that, you know, what, what is that? Um, Yeah, the, the moral compass, you know, the New York Times has been so focused now on teens uh, I think it's the world is writing a little bit more about it so the New York Times has a wonderful article about uh, I don't know if you saw it just talking about the boys are not all right because they think you know sometimes the boys can just suck it up and and move forward and be okay and then the other article that I love is the promise of self-compassion for stressed out teens yeah, and the the one about the boys are all right is by Michael Ian Black, the actor and writer comedian, um, and it, it's it, it is definitely a, a good piece to check out because it really does talk about um, sort of the mixed messages that genders are getting, but particularly boys, uh, and that is the larger percentage of bullies and those being bullied is it's it's higher statistically anyways and i know danielle you've spoken about under reporting in these areas absolutely uh but that it's more prevalent with boys than than girls do you see that in your practice or do you no no i think it's not at all and i think the thing we have to be careful about with the statistics is it's a guideline but i don't think it's all of it because i don't think i think there's an underreporting because of fear of talking about it they don't want to tell anybody and i think the numbers are even higher than that and i was at a conference once in a green room or something and i was talking to a woman who was just in a documentary and she said absolutely when i was talking about that and she said yes it's very underreported those are not accurate numbers and i do really believe that because of the fear out there that we are talking about today and people not wanting to be the snitch correct yeah and then the boys uh, for fathers what does yeah. that mean you know yeah. what does that mean if i go to my dad and see him being bullied yeah. or shame you know or even having a conflict i mean boys just you know they i think we're doing better 
I think we're doing better with teaching them how to talk and assert themselves and share. But... And also accept a non-like physical basis of masculinity that like physical prowess like you've got to be great at sports Don't you've cry. got to yeah you've got to have a big cock you've got to have big muscles you've got to you know these kinds of old the old narrative of of what a real man is the you know mm-hmm. not the person who's getting sand kicked in their face in the back of the magazines back mm-hmm. for all of us who are really old the you know the was the Atlas, what was yes. the Charles Atlas <laughs> yeah. guide to bullying or whatever, yes. or like, uh, not guide to bullying, but, uh, but anyways, that, that, that I, I do agree. I think that mm-hmm. it is getting better, that there are po- more positive messages, but I also am wondering if maybe the, this is just hitting me right now, the, cons- the misconception of it being more prevalent amongst boys is that it's more recognizable with the physicality whereas with the girls it's the relational yes uh and probably equal in the cyber but definitely the the relational bullying for a girl is probably far more prevalent than for boys i i think so and some statistics will tell you it's equal some will say not i don't believe that i think in what i see and you probably could talk Mm -hmm. about this from your practices it's much higher with girls middle and high school i would say yeah i mean i was a preschool teacher for like 15 years before I became a therapist and I just remember watching the boy play and watching the girl play Mm -hmm. and it was so fascinating you know the boys were with the blocks and little dump trucks and they wouldn't talk they would just (laughs) you know just sounds (laughs) and then the little girls were in the kitchen going now Sally can you hand me that over there we're gonna cook some eggs today and how was your day today and blah 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 so they were so verbal you know so so even at an early age their play looks different and and it's important to kind of um you know and encourage them to to share however they can you know that's right i also want to just say that the multicultural aspect of it is huge too because not only what a boy is in a culture or a girl is but like the different cultures. Mm-hmm. I was doing family therapy and a little boy, not a little boy, he was a teenager, getting bullied and scared to tell the dad. But anyway, we had a family session and gave him a lot of support about it. So he's sitting in the middle of the mother and the father. And the mother said, oh, I want you to share and express and open up, really feel it. You can cry. You're allowed to cry. And the father said, you know what, handle it like a man and you, you know, uh, take a deep breath and you move forward and don't talk about it. And he was so torn between, you know. Oh, yeah. And and, and because it was, you know, uh, um, a, a family that had very strong cultural components to it, you don't want to disrespect, you know, that, that in certain cultures. So they're of a culture other than yours. So you being white, they are people of color. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so that also probably makes it more difficult too, as a therapist, wanting to be sensitive to that. You have to, you know, respect where the cultural, Absolutely. you know, and, and the, uh, the gender, you know, because a father to a son parents differently than, uh, you know, a son to a mother. So, you know, some, and same with vice versa with the women and, what Mothers I do hear a lot across culture is, is that they just want the boys to hit them back. Go ahead and just hit them back, you know, and then you're going to learn that way. And I or take... Girls, or girls. Girls. Go and, and stick up for yourself and go kick them or whatever. Right. And so I hear that a lot with men and 
boys. boys. Uh-huh. And what I, I asked them is I said, well, then what happens? And I try to take them through a scenario to kind of see how that's going to play out. And guess what? Their kid is going to be the one suspended because of the of the behavior. And this is what I was saying earlier, that when kids who are being bullied have enough, they have a breaking point. Oh, yeah. And then they lash out, right? Well, and hello, person- shooter, right? Florida shooter. Yeah, yeah. that's an extreme example. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and I, I mean, if you even take back to the Columbine days, right? Oh, that yeah. was, they were bullied and they had enough of it and they felt like outcasts. And so you really have to look at the repercussions. And so sometimes what I'll do in my office with families is I'll take them through their suggestions of what to do and how that will manifest itself. And then it's almost like the light switches on in yeah. that moment as you take them through the realities of yeah. that. Yep. Well, and then there's the dangers of, <laughs> of bullying. And this is a whole other topic, but <clears throat> like talking about the Columbine shooters you know, what's the difference between them and other people who are bullied? You know, people who have a certain elements of psychopathic behaviors, it can be turned up to 11 with bullying. You add in that component mm-hmm. and it can take somebody's proclivity towards antisocial behavior and just amplify it to a dangerous point. Yes. And, and I don't think young people are aware of that, of uh, the consequences of of their teasing or Mm -hmm. they're targeting and a lot of times I think young people are doing that so that attention isn't being paid to them as well but that's a that's a whole other a whole other thing one of the things though with with girls and and boys I, I remember when I was in high school particularly I I had a group of girlfriends but I had a lot of male friends and I I really preferred my male friends mm-hmm. to a degree. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't love my girls, but Less drama, but, perhaps? but that's it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Because and and we're, when we're talking about like the kinds of uh, conflicts that they have, mm-hmm. what I have seen more of is boys or and and men. They they have an issue. They kind of clear, direct they, yeah, communication, and it's over. And it's like moving on. And then like mm-hmm. then they're back to playing sports. They're back to doing yes. whatever it is. Whereas yeah. things with women and girls tend to they hold on to it, hold, dance yeah, around, they linger. They they yeah the topic yeah. And I I I think part of that's probably socialization, mm-hmm. um, nature versus nurture, role modeling. I mean, there's all kinds of elements. But you both have seen. That, that you're both shaking your heads yes okay cool <laughs> so. i would love to talk about sex for a little bit can we talk about sex mm-hmm. how how what, what do you say about bullying when it has to do with sex and teens so this is interesting because um the me too movement is here now and that's really changed a lot of people's views on how to talk to women uh, and harassment i see Um, And I think people are becoming more aware and then some people aren't becoming more aware. Uh, I can tell you with a young adult I spoke to recently being harassed at work still sexually constantly and I and you feel about her body and how she looked and it was in a work environment young adults so a little older than teens and I really spoke a lot about how they were going to deal with that because it wasn't okay and it was getting to a breaking point 
And so I think with adolescents and girls, it's the same thing. And I think it's about their parts of their body, their sexualized, how they look, how good they look in something. And it's also shown on social media sites. You want to talk about sex and harassment? I see it a lot on there too, about how girls portray themselves and when they get upset later, if they were sexting, let's just say, then what happens then? You know, they want to take it back and now the whole school has viewed it. A couple weeks ago, I heard a couple teens talking and some sexting tape had gone around the school and it's just, it's horrible. So it is happening with cyberbullying, I would say, and sex and sexting, a oh, lot yeah. is going on. And yeah. the slut shaming. Yes, you know, yes, you yes, know, yes, 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 yes. And uh, it's being done like you're talking about in the Me Too movement, you know, mm -hmm. so we're seeing it by adults mm -hmm. and in very public forums mm -hmm. by adults. And it happens. I mean, it could be ruthless mm -hmm. with kids. I remember a story about a girl in my class, whether it's true or not, I don't mm -hmm. know. And this was, you know, way before social media, mm -hmm. but everybody heard this story about this girl putting M&Ms in her privates and having somebody eat them out. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't know whether or not that is true or not, but there's there's this person who that story mm -hmm. is attached to them mm -hmm. forever. Mm -hmm. In high school, we had Trish the Dish mm. and, you know, she was uh, very artistic and mom was a little bit hippie ish, but she she just had the worst reputation. And and yet, you know, it was it, the, now looking back at it horrible bullying right there was a girl in my college boyfriend's fraternity that they all call wet vac because of something to do with oral sex i mean it's just like and that you know and then you have to go through college with groups of people knowing, and you know perfectly pleasant fine nice kind person but you know you hook up with the wrong person who has this mm -hmm. mouth uh and that was no again, label. yeah and in the days mm -hmm. before the cyber stuff. And I think that I, both of you have talked about this. We can learn so much from young people mm -hmm. uh, about how to help them with mm -hmm. the online stuff because it is in many ways foreign to us. When I post things, I don't tag the president and when I'm, you know, my my politicals because I don't want to be targeted by him. Like, you know, because he, he the, the bully in chief. I don't want right. to, you know, um, I, and, and I'm an adult and I. <laughs> right. But, but you make a really good point because what I have also seen, like even in politics right now, is people who have political viewpoints and post them on like LinkedIn or, or Facebook or other media sites. People, employers are looking at that now so you don't have oh, yeah. the same and yeah. then they're making decisions about your employment based on what you put on some of your social media sites because they're looking they yeah, so are we're looking. talking about boundaries yeah you know? there are none mm -hmm. there are no boundaries anymore there's yeah. none i know a little girl she was in fifth grade and um she had a little boy at lunchtime, he had a popsicle and yeah. he was doing it like a blowjob yeah. and just staring at her. And, you know, she said, ew, that's gross. Stop. And all the boys were laughing. She went to a teacher and the teacher just didn't even handle it. Nothing. And so he continued to do that at lunchtime. So, you know, so she... She probably to... didn't know what to say. That's I mean, what, what I was just going to say. You know? I think they don't. I mean, I can imagine being like all right, how am I going to address this, right? And I'm pretty comfortable with that kind of stuff. But, but that's harassment. Not. I mean, it's not okay. And and, and the thing is, is, 
you know, yes, people don't know what to do and where what to say, so they just don't say anything. They've got to call Danielle. Yeah, yeah, big time. <laughs> no, really, this is so important. Your work is really wonderful, and I love that you break it down in such slow moving steps because it really is about that so many people either think they should know or you know like you said they have a history of being bullied so it's too traumatizing they don't want to know but this is so open and non-judgmental and uh your work is so important especially right now this is the time thank you you know the other piece that i i made the choice to put in the book which i had actually never gone back and forth I just decided to was my own experiences of being bullied because I was bullied in fifth grade I was bullied in junior high and I was bullied in high school and so the book starts out with my experiences and the epilogue is the finale of what happened for me but I do that for two reasons one it's credibility because it's understanding parents knowing or educators saying why should I take anything she has to say like she doesn't know what she's talking about right we see that in books we have we really I think connect to the personal experiences we see in books and so I really added my experiences in there for that because I wanted people to feel like I get their experience I get their Mm -hmm. children's experience I get not another self-help book but like humanistic and I'm sharing with you yes I have been there right exactly and I think that's really important in our day and age and what people really connect to is not just the facts and the research but also the personal connection people have to the material it's part of your authenticity which is very important to me to us to our work all of us like I, I see where that is valuable and on the other end though I could understand that a parent who has never been bullied mm-hmm. could also, we could all have empathy for them, mm-hmm. you know, that that's okay that you don't, and that's yet right. you can still understand and learn. That's right. That My book actually talks about that because we talk about different kinds of parents, parents who were bullied, parents who weren't bullied. How do you still handle the situation if your child is still being bullied, regardless of your own experiences? Because you can't take that away either from them, and you have to help them under, start where they're at to help their child. And as you're talking, I'm just now kind of going through my Rolodex of third grade (laughs) and fourth grade where I didn't really think that was bullying. But now as you're talking, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, that was bullying, really third grade, fourth grade, sixth grade, eighth grade. And oh, my God, I wish we had a book like this. I wish the teachers had it. I wish the parents had it. Um, I'm excited about your work really. And I, I I can't wait to just really, uh, you know, not only read it, but like practice it and, Mm -hmm. and anything we can do, you know, to support your work. Uh, Cause I go into schools and do cyber education, but this is, this is so, so important. I mean, every parent really needs to pick up your book and read it and apply it because everyone knows a neighbor or a a cousin, uh, you know, even if it's, we're at the airport waiting for a plane and Mm -hmm. something's happening to our left, it's, it's, it's really important just Mm -hmm. for us to know, um, to, to heal the world. So, who are your role models? This is Wendy's Wendy's That's closing a, question usually. Um, Oprah Winfrey. Because, yes, because she is as real as they come. She is as authentic 
and generous with her spirit and her time and her um, encouragement of wanting a better world. Resilient. Resiliency is incredible for her own struggles that she had growing up. So if there was anyone who I would ever want to read the book who I feel I could really connect with, it would be Miss Oprah. Mm. Have either of you uh, listened to the podcast, Making The Making of Oprah? No. It is, no. it's so great. It's only like three or four parts long. I totally recommend it. Um, and she, they interview her too, but they interview everybody. It was like around the 30th anniversary oh. of the show. And uh, it's fascinating and touches upon all these things that you just mentioned about her. Um, yeah, Oprah's fabulous. Dr. Wendy's dream journal exercise. Dr. Wendy's dream journal. Yeah, so Danielle, um, I love journals. I am not a journaling person, yes. but I have, uh, ironically enough, had many different journals growing up. So goals journal uh -huh. and a feelings journal, um, you know, even if it's just a to-do list journal. Yep. But get it out of your head and onto paper. And so uh, dream journals um, are really important to me because I think that uh, nothing is impossible. I believe in dreams and I think anything can be possible. And I was thinking about this. And so one thing that um, our listeners may want to explore is uh, doing a bully inventory and thinking about just as we're talking, like I'm going to go home and do it actually myself. Um, I think it's going to be quite longer than I thought, you know, initially, but doing a bully inventory, you know, who was it, what age it was and what the situation was. Mm -hmm. And then part two is redoing it, you know, really wishing mm -hmm. what you wish could have happened, mm -hmm. you know, and mine, I wish somebody observed I wish someone stepped in. Mm -hmm. I wish someone either did conflict resolution or a little bit of, you know, what I should do mm -hmm. instead of feeling so helpless and hopeless. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is that there is hope out there. And um, so I definitely suggest that people get to a journal and they know that, you know, I say, well, it even if it's pictures or bullet points or squiggles, mm -hmm. you don't have to write mm -hmm. dear journal today. It's very cold outside. <laughs> I just, I, I'm, I'm not patient enough to do that, but I tried it. And then I was like, do you write dear journal, dear diary to whom it may concern? I mean, it's just, <laughs> there's too much. So, um, you know, so however that journal looks, you can draw pictures of the bully. If you're an artist or, or you know, artistic background and also you know, what colors taking, that would come up for you in taking that inventory also about have you bullied yourself? Have, you know, oh, yes. Uh, and I, I love know, that. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have Danielle be the speaker at L.A. Camp last Friday and we were talking about it afterwards and I have incidences of being bullied but I also know that I don't know if I was ever a bully but where I was definitely a dick to some people <laughs> you know where I was not my my best self my higher self um for various reasons and uh, I even had somebody as an adult I had posted something on Facebook about uh, an incident from a teacher saying something really painful to me that stuck with me um and has still sticks with me to this mm -hmm. day um but 
I, you know, in processing it and I was kind of talking about it uh, anonymously. Obviously, I wasn't calling this person out. And I got a private message from somebody who told me a story about when we were in junior high and we were, I guess there were cheerleading trials. I have no memory of this whatsoever. And I, in cheerleading, I was a base, which means, you know, like I'm on the bottom. Yeah. Uh, it's one place in my life I'm a bottom. But I'm bunch. But that this person, I guess we were doing a stunt and they were on my back. Uh, and I guess I was making a face or like something like indicating that they were really heavy or whatever. And that this really devastated her mm. all these years later. And she was like, wrote me this long, like oh, really emotional, but and like kind of angry still like thing. Uh, and I was like, what? And I, I felt horrible about mm. it because I would never, ever want to make somebody feel like that and or let alone have it linger. And I'm sure I have. And I'm sure that people who have made me feel bad don't know that either, you know, that I've never addressed it with. And But I was also so grateful for the opportunity mm-hmm. to then make amends with that person. Uh, and, and had but, she had know. this beautiful book, she would have had the tools to check it out or Possibly, to have someone yeah. to help or yeah. to reach out or to have someone yeah. clarify. Yeah. You know, and, and the irony of it is, is that I had major body issues, you know, so my making that joke or, you know, what I'm sure I thought I was being funny or, you know, trying to be cool at the time, um, you know, I myself was constantly being told that I was, you know, fat and that I was, you know, ugly and all of these things, you know, that I, my, my big, beautiful nose, which I actually love my big, beautiful nose. But, you know, these were things that were targeted mm-hmm. at the time. And so I can't say like, you know, you're crazy. I would have never done that. I probably did. Uh, I believe her. And at least that's how she remembers it, and it's real for her. And so Good I was, for her. Yeah, and, and I was cares? really grateful. Better late than never. I was grateful to have that opportunity. And then, yeah, we. Yeah. It's all cool. It's all it's cool. reparative. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So in terms of journal exercises of instances that you know you may have inadvertently, maybe you aren't a bully, but have. A demonstrated bullying behavior because we all have our moments. And I love you know? what you said, Jenny, about bullying yourself. How often do we do that, right? Mm-hmm. That's another show we can have you back and talk <laughs> right. about. Internalizing. Yeah. So tips and resources, of course, you know, we'll have all of Danielle's information and how you can get her book in the show notes. And, and it's uh, on Amazon, you said? Yes, it's Excellent. on Amazon. Girl, I'm going to buy like 10 because I have so many parents that could use this book plus schools. And oh, it's I'm so happy that you came in today. And thank you. Thank really... you for having me. They're great statistics and information at stopbullying.gov. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a bullying hotline. I, we know that there's the um, teen the, line, the teen line. And the suicide hotline, I think it's 273-TALK, 800-273-TALK. Uh, where can people find you? Daniel? So they can go um, onto my website, which is www.empowerment.space. Um, there's information about the program, um, how to have a free consultation if they're interested in joining the program and learning more. Um, there's also blogs on there that I've written and um, some of my new stuff that I've done as well. 
And they can find you on Twitter at, at D Matthew yes. empower. Yes. And it's Matthew, not Matthews, just Matthew singular. She's singular. <laughs> uh, and D Matthew at empowerment dot space is your email. Yes. Uh, do you have an Instagram or I do. Um, and if you look me up, you can, I'm under my name. You can probably find me. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll have that on the show notes. As always, you can find me, Jenny with an I, at, on Twitter at, at Jenny J.B. Wilson. Uh, Instagram, I'm the Preppy Rebel. Email JenniferJVWilson at gmail.com. Uh, my website uh, is JennyJVWilson.com. We're both on Facebook, Wendy and I. Are you on Facebook? Yes, I and am. Danielle's is Empowerment Space yep. on it. And Empowerment yes. Space is on Facebook, too, if that's your jam. Uh, and you can find Dr. Wendy on our YouTube channel and YouTube, Twitter at uh, AskDRWendy, my uh, website, drwendyoconnor.com, and that's spelled out D O C T O R, because if you get another Dr. Wendy O'Connor, she's in New York and she's blonde, and she's... depending on the month, I'm not blonde this month, so. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and Instagram at uh, I am DRWendy. And call us, write us, please let us know what kind of topics you'd like. And uh, please contact Danielle. She's amazing. If people just want to call you and consult, is that okay too? Yes. And my all that information is on my website. And there's a place that you can leave a note for me that I'll get so that I can uh, call you back. And it's a private consultation thing. So you don't, you can be very anonymous about it. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming and and tolerating uh, the doggy play that we we had today. You've been so patient and uh, really appreciate that. Yes. Thank you for having me, both of you. So as always, I encourage you to be as authentically yourselves as you can possibly stand. And as Dr. Wendy always says, stay open. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. We'll see you next time. Yay. Give you the world on a silver platter. Would it even matter? You'd still be mad at me if I could find in all these a dozen roses, which I would give to you. Be so mean. 
as I've said to people before, kids just need one friend. They need one friend who cares about them, one friend who will be loyal to them and will do whatever for them. 